The NLDS win over the Dodgers had kept Padres fans very, very busy celebrating an improbable series victory. And let's not forget about the improbable series victory over the New York Mets just over a week prior. In this series, the Padres had a real chance of beating a team that fired manager Joe Girardi after a 22-29 and start to the season. The Padres had stars and the Phillies had stars. Plus, there was a brother versus brother matchup that gave one of them a personal bragging right for life. Petco Park would once again be host to a raucous fan base and the first two games of the National League Championship Series. Four more wins and you'll make it to the World Series. That's the goal, and the Padres had all the confidence in the world heading in. I'm Matt Scraby, and this is 12 Games in October. The National League Championship Series. That third word, championship, sounds extra nice. And the Padres were going to be hosting Game 1 of a best-of-seven series. Usually, teams that go on to win this series earn it. I said it earlier on, three games is much harder to win than two games. And with a best-of-seven series, four games ensures the better team will move on. I know it's not rocket science, but each level of the playoffs gets more difficult. The Philadelphia Phillies had to get through their own gauntlet on their way to San Diego, with their wildcard series opponent being the NL Central winning St. Louis Cardinals. The Phillies upset the high-powered Cardinals offense in just two games. In their NLDS series, the Phillies matched up with the other winner of the second wildcard bye, the Atlanta Braves. Like the Dodgers, the Braves were the heavy favorite to take the series. The Phillies would go on to take out the Braves, and just like the Padres did to the Dodgers, they would take them out three games to one. At first glance, you may not think there were many interesting twists and turns in this series, but when you dove deeper and connected the dots, there were similarities and coincidences everywhere you looked. Storylines intersected and history intertwined throughout the series, good and bad. We're going to start with the one big storyline that quite possibly could have led to these two teams meeting in the 2022 NLCS. Back in February of 2019, baseball fans were focused on where two of the game's biggest stars would decide to play, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Rumors swirled and the Padres were being brought up for both prize-free agents. At the time, it seemed like a long shot. Either player would choose San Diego and call it their home in their prime. But on February 21st, 2019, San Diego Padres fans would find out Manny Machado had chosen their team and their city to represent. Once the news broke, baseball fans were squarely focused on Bryce Harper and his decision. Reports in the days after Manny's signing were saying the Padres may also be in on Bryce Harper coming to town. At the time, I thought it was all made up, but knowing what we know now in 2023, I do believe the Padres were trying to lure Bryce Harper to San Diego. Instead, on February 28, 2019, Bryce Harper chose the Philadelphia Phillies. Both guys changed the course of each franchise, and without one of the two, we probably aren't talking about the same matchup we got. Speaking of Manny Machado, here he is talking about how the Padres are feeling after a big NLDS win. Uh, I think, uh, you know, as a group, I think we all enjoyed enjoyed that night. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, beating one of the best teams in baseball 
um, you know, you soak it all in, you enjoy it, um, you know, and then once that day was, once Saturday was over, uh, you know, focus was on, on, on to the next, um, you know, we, 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 we got to, you know, stay focused on, on what the real goal is and is, is to bring a uh, championship to the city and, um, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, any of us are, are losing that, that focus. I think we're going to go out there and compete and we're going to keep, keep, keep doing what we got to do every single inning. I think, uh, you know, as a group, we take it inning by inning, out by out, and, um, you know, whatever happens after 27 outs happens. But, um, you know, we got we to focus on that one out, one, one inning at a time. Here's what Manny thought about playing against Bryce Harper in the NLCS. Yeah, I mean, we've been linked since uh, since we got drafted, you know, even, even before. So, uh, you know, we've gone way back. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, then I got signed with Baltimore, and he was with D.C., so we're right, right up the road. We played against each other for a long time, and, you know, then leading up to free agency, you know, we're the, we're the two uh, top free agents, and, you know, he went to a city that wanted to bring a championship back, and, you know, I went to a city that, that's never won a championship. So here we are, you know, a couple years later, we, you know, we, uh, you know we've, we've, we've done that to the organizations, and we've helped the organizations out big time. So, um, you know, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, he, he brings that energy. He's one of the best players in the game, and, um, you know, I think, honestly, we've got the two best teams going up against each other, and, you know, it's going to... You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun week for sure. And finally, let's hear from Bryce Harper about Manny Machado. I mean, USA Baseball, of course. I mean, we all we all played against each other, played with each other. Um, you know, Manny's a great talent. You know, he's one of the best you know defenders in the game. Um, you know, he, he can swing the bat very well. He's having a great year this year. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to be able to share the field with him. You know, I think he, he's a he's an incredible ball player, and um, I look forward to you know seeing. Uh, you know, this series and how it goes. And fittingly for a series that featured a team from the city of brotherly love, it also featured a pair of siblings in Philly's ace Aaron Nola and Padres catcher Austin Nola. Austin coming into this series had six career plate appearances against his brother, going one for five with a single and a walk. And Austin Nola was pretty excited to face his brother's team. Both the Padres and Phillies were rolling, and it was now up to which team could continue their hot streak. Another weird storyline of this series would be playing five games in five days, which doesn't normally happen in the postseason, let alone the NLCS. Bob Melvin was asked before the series for his That's thoughts. a little bit different. It's the latter part I was more referencing as far as uh, how, you, how you have to go about that. That's kind of more regular season f- a feel to it being five games in a row, so potentially five games in a row. So, uh, you know, the first two we were going to kind of dictate how the rest of them go. I think, you know, with the pitching matchups in the first two games, um, runs could be at a at a premium, and might have to look to do things a little bit differently. And then, as the, you know, as the series goes on a little bit longer, maybe you're a little bit more patient and maybe looking for a big inning or something like that. But, you know, that's just off the top of my head trying to forecast where this goes. Game one was set up to be a pitching duel. Both teams closed out their DS opponents in four games. So, both teams would be able to use their pitching staff exactly how they wanted. If either were to have a Game 5, the starting rotation would be impacted, and that would definitely factor in. Here's Bob Melvin talking about his rotation lining up. It is nice to be able to line our pitching up and, you know, having two days off. One, we get a full day off and then work out. But, um, you know, these this lineup tends to tax your pitchers regardless. I'm just glad we're, you know, we didn't have to go to a... A uh, fifth game where we, you know, had to use Darvish and then our bullpen again. 
The Padres had two U Darvish starts in the postseason, and each start resulted in a win. A dominant win over the Mets in wildcard game one, and then a start against the Dodgers in game two where he didn't have his best stuff, but he was able to limit the damage. He would try and continue the trend against the team with some big boppers in their lineup, but nothing you Darvish hasn't normally handled. The Phillies would have their ace, Zach Wheeler, to start game one. Wheeler was 1-1 one one in his two postseason starts with a win over the Cardinals in the wildcard and then a loss to the Braves. Wheeler was still a big challenge, and he had not really skipped a beat since making his return from a month-long stint on the IL on September 21st. Since then, he posted a 1.32 ERA in five outings, including a 2.19 ERA in those two postseason starts. And one more thing to set up for the Phillies. As I said earlier, the Phillies fired manager Joe Girardi after 51 games. Normally, that instability would crush any team. However, interim manager Rob Thompson handled the team better than Girardi and got them on the doorstep of the World Series. As big as the NLDS felt like at Petco Park, the NLCS had another atmosphere altogether. People across the country had already taken notice of Padres fans during the victory over the Dodgers, and now even more people would be able to see what San Diego was capable of. That would be if the Padres could give them something to cheer about. Walking around downtown, I noticed the enormity of the spotlight on San Diego. There was more media, bigger names within the media, and a lot more cameras. Let's go all the way back to episode one. We said the way to win on the road in the playoffs is to take the crowd out of it early and get on the board. That would be a goal for the Phillies. The Petco Park crowd was once again loud and waving the gold towels seen during the NLDS. You Darvish would have to keep a dangerous lineup in check. And that dangerous lineup's test begins with their leadoff batter, Kyle Schwarber. Not necessarily the typical leadoff hitter with his power, but he is effective and he has the chance to change the game with one swing of the bat at any moment. You Darvish ready, here we go. And a first pitch fastball misses down and into the left-hand batting Kyle Schwarber. The 2022 NLCS is underway here at Petco Park. As we just talked about, Kyle Schwarber is scary. And Darvish would be aware of the danger and walk Schwarber to start the game. You Darvish would face Reese Hoskins next. Here's the pitch, and it's outside. Kicks off the glove of Nola, goes to the backstop, and now Schwarber won't have to steal second. He advances on a ball in the dirt. The pressure was on, and a runner was in scoring position already. Darvish bared down and got the first out of Reese Hoskins flying out to center. Out into shallow right center field. Soto comes in. Grisham as well. Trent will get to the spot. He'll make the call and the catch one away. So Hoskins pops to center, Schwarber back to second base. JT Realmuto coming up. Catcher JT Realmuto would ground out weakly to Manny, and with no play at third, Manny elected to go to first to get the second out. While that was happening, Kyle Schwarber moved to third and was just 90 feet away. Darvish needed one more out, and that would not be easy. Bryce Harper had a chance to get the Phillies on the board in the first inning, and he had been scorching hot at the plate in the playoffs. Coming into the game, Harper was 10 for 23. He had six extra base hits, three doubles, and three homers, and his 435 average was paired with a 1.437 OPS in just six postseason games. And on the fifth pitch of the at-bat, runner at third, two away. Here's the pitch from Darvish and a line drive towards the shift. Cronenworth, diving stop, throws from his knees in time, and the inning is over. Cronenworth out in shallow right field, and we're going to hang a star at Petco Park. The second baseman diving to his right, makes the play, throws Harper out, and the inning is over. I don't know much, but I do know that you don't hit it into the crone zone. 
Bryce Harper hit that ball as hard as anyone in baseball with it being 106 miles an hour off the bat. Not only did Jake stop the ball, he made the throw from his knees in shallow right field. A run-saving stop at a time someone needed to step up. Zach Wheeler would get his first taste of the Padres lineup with Jerks and Profar grounding out to start the game. Juan Soto then walked on four straight pitches. Manny Machado would force Wheeler to throw nine pitches in the at-bat, but he ended up flying out to left field for the second out. But making the opposing pitcher throw nine pitches in one at-bat is a positive at-bat in its own way. For the third out of the inning, Wheeler would strike out Josh Bell. Heading into the top of the second, Hugh Darvish would settle in, striking out Nick Castellanos, Alec Bohm, and forcing Bryson Stott to fly out to left field. A quick and efficient inning for Hugh Darvish. Bottom of the second was almost exactly the same. Zach Wheeler would strike out Jake Cronenworth and Will Myers and would force Hassan Kim to fly out to center field. Coming into the game, we thought we may get a pitching duel, and that is exactly what it was shaping up to be. Hugh Darvish would strike out the side in the top of the third, and Wheeler would force Trent Grisham, Austin Nola, and Jerickson Profar to ground out. Top of the fourth started with Hugh Darvish getting JT Realmuto to strike out looking. But in a game where one run could win it, Bryce Harper would show why he is one of the best hitters in a very long time. Big shift on the right side again against Bryce Harper. And the 1-0 pitch hit in the air to the opposite field. Profar backing up. He is near the wall. He will leap and it will go. A home run for Bryce Harper. His fourth of the postseason. And the Phillies strike first, one to nothing, here in the fourth. As I said. Bryce Harper is a bad man, and he got this cutter. Not a bad pitch, it's elevated, but it's probably a little bit off the plate. Bryce Harper continues to be on a tear this postseason. Home run the left to give the Phillies an early 1-0 lead. You Darvish would get out of the inning, but Bryce Harper just gave the Phillies a big hand up in a game where runs would be scarce. Petco Park was quiet. There wasn't much to cheer for, and this Bryce Harper homer was a gut punch to any Padre fan. For the Phillies, Zach Wheeler was rolling, and through four innings, he had not even allowed a hit after sitting down Soto, Machado, and Bell in order. The only quote-unquote mistake was the walk to Juan Soto all the way back in the first inning. And if it feels like we're moving fast, we are, because these innings were extremely fast. Still down a run, Hugh Darvish would rebound and get the side out in order after that homer. Padres fans were yearning for a moment to cheer. A double down the line could get a guy in position to score. This game was not over by any means, and the loud Padres crowd needed to get into the game. In the bottom of the fifth, Will Myers singled to center and collected the first hit of the game for the Padres. Here's the 2-1. Will with a line drive into center field and a base hit. First of the night for the Padres. A one-out single by Myers in the fifth inning. Just like that, the tying run is on base, and the potential go-ahead run is coming to the plate. Zach Wheeler's no-hitter bid was over, and it was time for things to turn around. Fans slowly got into it, hoping another base runner would come. The bottom of the order, which was instrumental in getting the Padres into the NLCS, was still to come, and Padres fans felt good about it. Problem was, Hassan Kim and Trent Grisham would go down back-to-back, and Will Myers was stranded at first. The first threat of the game was stopped faster than it started. The feeling of defeat was dancing around in every Padre fan's head. No one wanted to admit it. No one wanted to say this game was over because it wasn't. 
but Zach Wheeler had been so good in the game and showed no signs of slipping up. The hope was dwindling, but hope was not completely lost for Game 1 just yet. The top of the six would start with the Phillies' top of the order, which meant the biggest bat in the lineup would lead off the inning, and Kyle Schwarber stepped into the box. Here's Schwarber, top of the order. Swings at the first pitch and hits it a mile to deep right field. Soto not going to move. That might find the upper deck. My goodness, it did. Kyle Schwarber just yanked one out to the upper deck in right field at Petco Park. I don't know that I've ever seen a ball land up there in a game before. 2-0 Philadelphia in the top of the sixth inning. I have never seen a ball hit up in that territory. You got to remember the second deck in right field is pushed back 488 feet to right field. My gosh. This pitch was absolutely obliterated. I remember sitting in the media section in left field with the rest of the 97.3 The Fan Crew, and all of us were stunned at how far and how hard this ball was hit. I know this podcast is about the Padres' 2022 postseason run, but I am going to stop down to appreciate the athletic feat Schwarber pulled off. Here are some of the stats behind that moonshot. The ball flew 488 feet. The exit velocity was 119.7 miles per hour. And further, it was the second longest postseason homer since StatCast tracking began in 2015. It was also the longest homer at Petco Park tracked by StatCast. It was also the longest and hardest hit StatCast tracked home run by a Phillies player. It was also the hardest hit postseason batted ball tracked by StatCast. And since 2015, it was the fifth hardest home run hit. And not only that, it was a career high for distance and exit velocity for Kyle Schwarber. This home run was longer than any of the homers hit by Schwarber in his two home run derby appearances. To say this ball was crushed is an understatement. But what didn't change is it was a solo shot and the Padres are still in the game. The homer made it 2-0, but the deficit just felt like a whole lot more. Hugh Darvish would bounce right back and get the next three batters out. Unfortunately for you, he only had two real mistakes and the Phillies took advantage. Bottom of the six was more Wheeler dominance, going through Nola, Profar, and Soto with ease. And like I said, this was a pitcher's duel. Not much offense at all in this one. Hugh Darvish was still pitching in the top of the seventh and he would get the side out in order. Darvish pitched well enough to get a win. The problem was, Zach Wheeler pitched just a little bit better. You went seven innings, only gave up three hits. He struck out seven. He walked one batter, but he gave up the two solo shots to Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwerber. A really nice night for Darvish and one that makes Padres fans sick, knowing they wasted a masterful outing. Fast forward to the bottom of the seventh, and it was more of the same from Wheeler. Machado, Bell, and Cronenworth went down in order, and Zach Wheeler would complete the start of his life. He went seven innings. He gave up only one hit. He walked one batter in the first inning, and he struck out eight while giving up no runs. And to further how dominant he was, Wheeler threw eight pitches in the second, five in the third, and only ten in the fourth. The Padres walked right into a buzzsaw, and there was nothing they could do. They would only have six more outs to try and tie this game up. Only two runs was needed, but those two runs felt like ten. Nick Martinez would replace you, Darvish, and would pick up where you left off. 
Martinez did sit down the Phillies in order, and more impressively, he struck out both Marsh and Kyle Schwarber. If there's one thing that's true, the Padres had pitching that night. They just needed some timely hits to get them going. But honestly, this night seemed like it was a night destined for the Phillies. A night that had so much promise and a feeling of confidence by Padres fans slowly deflated as the game went along. The Padres weren't getting outplayed. They were just getting outpitched, even though Padres pitching had one of their best games of the season. The Phillies would throw Sir Anthony Dominguez into the mix in the eighth, and like Wheeler, he retired the side in order with no issues at all. Only three more outs left for the Padres to score some runs. Luis Garcia would relieve Nick Martinez for the ninth, and although it didn't feel like a big spot, it was a huge spot for Garcia. He needed to keep the game at two runs so the Padres had a chance to walk it off. Luis Garcia would pitch well, and he sat down Hoskins, Real Muto, and Bryce Harper to end the top of the ninth. A really nice outing for Garcia and a part of the lineup that has a chance to eat you alive. The Padres would need a lot to go their way at the bottom of the ninth, but two runs was not a miracle, and we had already seen the Padres score five against the Dodgers in one inning. The Phillies used their closer, Jose Alvarado, to get the last three outs as the Padres tried to put some pressure on. The first out came quick with Austin Nola grounding out to short. Then Profar walked, and a break for the Padres. Right now, Juan Soto swinging the bat well on the ball, inner third. Profar, a modest lead being held. First pitch coming and a ground ball towards third base. Bohm has it to second. That's one. No! It got away from Stott. Segura backs it up and keeps it on the infield. But instead of a potential game-ending double play, it got away from Stott. Everybody is safe. Two on, one out. Manny Machado coming to the plate. That is where being in a shift in that situation really caused everything. Stott is in a weird spot. The throw from Baum is a little bit up the line towards right field. He can't control it, he can't corral it. I'm sure there'll be an error passed out here somewhere. It'll go to Baum. Soto reaches on the fielder's choice. Profar safe at second on the error by the third baseman, Baum. And oh, if you're the Phillies, how do you feel now with Manny Machado coming up? All of a sudden, the winning run is at the plate. Manny Machado was coming to the plate as the winning run. The Padres were one swing of the bat away from taking game one. Manny would watch ball one, then Alvarado threw a 99.4 mile an hour sinker for a strike looking. Alvarado stared in. Runners lead at first and second. Here's the pitch. That's it in the air, out to right field off the end of the bat. Castellanos charging in over towards the line. He'll get there to make the catch. And that is out number two. Only one more out for the Padres. They were threatening and were so close to turning this whole thing around. Josh Bell, who was one of the heroes of wildcard game one, was the last chance to get a victory. Alvarado threw a 100.6 mile an hour sinker and Bell swung through it to make the count 0-1. Then a cutter inside to even the count 1-1. Alvarado threw another cutter and Bell swung through it to make the count 1-2. Josh Bell needed to make something happen. Profar at second base. Soto, the potential tying run at first with two outs. Josh Bell, the potential winning run at the plate. So now the Padres down to their final strike with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. One and two to Josh Bell. Here's the pitch from Alvarado and a swing and a miss. The Phillies shut out the Padres in game one by a final of two to nothing as Wheeler, Dominguez, and Alvarado combine on a brilliant one hitter. The Padres would fall in game one and it was a tough loss to stomach. 
They had some chances at the end of the game. They kept it close. You Darvish had a good night, but they just weren't able to recreate the magic they had against the Dodgers three days prior. Final totals in game one, the Phillies scored two runs on three hits and committed one error. Padres would score no runs on one hit and had no errors. The winner was Zach Wheeler, and Yu Darvish took the loss. Jose Alvarado would get the save. With the Phillies taking game one, it meant the Padres would have to win at least one in Philadelphia to bring back the series to San Diego. History was not on their side, though. Game one is huge in a best-of-seven series. Teams that take a 1-0 lead in those series have ended up winning the series 64% of the time in baseball history. The Padres would have to keep climbing that hill even if they were tired. It was time to dig even deeper to make sure you did not go to Philly down two games. Good thing for the Padres, they would have to waste no time in getting back on the field. Game two was scheduled for the next day and it was scheduled to be an extremely warm day. And oh yeah, we'll get to see Philly's pitcher Aaron Nola face his brother Austin in the NLCS. But that will all wait for episode nine. Twelve games in October is a 97.3 The Fan original podcast for Odyssey. It was produced, voiced, edited, and written by me, Matt Scraby. Thanks to Adam Klug and Michael Valenzuela for helping to make this happen. You can find me on social media at Matt Scraby. Please make sure to rate, review, and tell a friend. All you need to do is tell them to search 12 games in October in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.